Welcome to First Presbyterian Church of Evanston. This Sunday's sermon was given by Senior Pastor, Rev. Dr. Ray Hilton. If you'd like more information about First Presbyterian Church of Evanston, please visit firstpresevanston.org. Our scripture reading today is from the Apostle Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 1 through 9 which you'll find in the New Testament section of our Pew Bibles, beginning on page 157. For the prayer of illumination, I want to go back to the prayer of confession and borrow some of those words. Um, They're transformational, and that's what we're looking for from the scripture this morning. Heavenly Father, help me remember my sins and let me see them in your light. Strengthen me also with courage to confess them truly, hiding nothing, excusing nothing, keeping back nothing in my heart. In your mercy, pardon and absolve. Thus heal me, that I may arise and sin no more, through the merits and for the sake of Jesus Christ, my Lord and only Savior. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1, verse 1. Paul, called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, and our brother Sosthenes, to the church of God that is in Corinth, to those who are sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints, together with all those who in every place call on the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. Grace to you and peace from God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ. I give thanks to my God always for you because of your of the grace of God that has been given to you in Christ Jesus. For in every way you have been enriched in him, in speech and knowledge of every kind, just as the testimony of Christ has been strengthened among you, so that you are not lacking in any spiritual gift, and as you wait for the revealing of the Lord Jesus Christ, he will also strengthen you to the end, so that you may be blameless on the day of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is faithful. By him you were called into the fellowship of his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Well, thank you, David, for reading those scriptures for us. And again, I want to welcome you, all of you here to our worship service this morning. If you weren't with us last Sunday, I want to bring you up to speed as to what we're trying to do over the next few Sundays. Last Sunday, we introduced a new teaching series that we're calling with, with head, heart, and hands, the call to follow Jesus Christ. A lot of the songs we were singing this morning, the kids illustrated it for us this morning the idea that Jesus has called all of us. Why would we dedicate so much time in Sunday services to talk about the call to follow Jesus? Well, I I happen to believe, and I hope you share the same sentiment, that the call to follow Jesus represents a significant change in how we live our lives. It is very disruptive. It influences our understanding of work, Maybe I should say it it can influence our understanding of work. Our attendance at school, 
our understanding of worship, how we use our time and our talents and our resources. If you put it another way, the call to follow Jesus represents discipleship. And a disciple is someone who, who, who follows Jesus in his or her life. And that person is saying, I am yours, Lord. I am yours. I'm not my own anymore. I'm yours. This person brings Jesus into the totality of his or her life and says, I'm yours, Lord. What is the call then? When we talk about this call to follow Jesus, is it, should we be waiting on words in the sky? Should we be waiting on a mystical kind of voice? Let me suggest three ways to think about this call. I believe, first of all, it is a very personal call, and I want you to hear me on this. It's a personal call. I also believe that it is a vocational call. And then finally, I believe that the call is communal, personal, vocational, and communal. And so when we talk about a personal call, what are we saying then? We're talking about a call to repentance. A call to repentance and obedience to Jesus Christ as Lord over your life. And this is true for all of us. Each of us today, here in this building and for those of you online, we must be able to answer the following questions because it is so personal. Who is your Lord and Savior? Have you responded to the Spirit's call to repent of your sins, as we heard in the prayer of confession, and to live in obedience to the Lord Jesus Christ? Another question that personally you must think about, am I surrendering my life daily to Christ so that he lives through me? Here's another question, and this really gets personal. How does knowing Jesus affect my sexual life? Does Jesus then have control over my eating and drinking habits? Am I glorifying God in how I talk about people and talk to people? Would people know that I'm a follower of Jesus through the way I live? I'm suggesting to you that the call is very personal to follow Jesus. It's disruptive. It affects our moral. It affects our ethical. It affects our social life. And for those of you who say yes to follow the call of Jesus, the greatest priority then is to seek the kingdom of God. That's your greatest priority. That's your number one reason, is to seek first God's kingdom. But it's also a great passion that we have when we answer the call, this hunger and this thirst for the reign of Christ and the righteousness of Christ to fill the earth. And so we cannot go through each day without our hearts being broken by what we see because we have answered the call because we're kingdom people we know that something is out of sorts with our community, with our world, 
And so we're examining ourselves, Lord, what is my role in helping to advance your righteousness, your goodness in this earth? I think these are the issues that we see played out in Paul's life when he answered the call of Jesus to faith and obedience on that Damascus road. Let me read a few snippets of his testimony, because when he writes the letters to the churches, he tells them his story over and over again of that personal call and what it means for his life. For example, this is from Galatians. This is what he said. Imagine this. Just listen to this. You have, you have heard, no doubt, of my earlier life in Judaism. I was violently persecuting the church of God and was trying to destroy it. I advanced in Judaism beyond many among my people of the same age, for I was far more zealous for the traditions of my ancestors. And then he puts this, this huge adversative, but when God who had set me apart before I was born. And that is something we come to understand about God's call, that it has huge implications. Before I was born, God called me through his grace. See how personal it is? God called me through his grace and was pleased to reveal his son to me so that I might proclaim him among the Gentiles. Later on in that same book, very personal again, it's very personal. The call is personal, brothers and sisters. He says, I've been crucified with Christ, and it is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives in me, and the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Here's another statement he makes to the church at Philippi, very personal. He says, for me, as if he, could, if he were an American, he said, I don't know about you, but for me, living is Christ and dying is gain. That's personal. That's the call. That's the, the disruptive nature, the grip that the call of Jesus has on our lives. And then the last little snippet, when he wrote his letter to the church at Philippi, let me read some of these lines for you. He said, if anyone, has, if anyone else has reason to be confident in the flesh, I have more. And then he lists his, pe his pedigree, his curriculum vita. I was circumcised on the eighth day, a member of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin. I was a Hebrew, born of the Hebrews, as to the law, Pharisees. As to zeal, he says again, I was a persecutor of the church. As to righteousness under the law, blameless. Yet, whatever gains I had, these I have come to regard as loss because of Christ. More than that, I regard everything as loss because of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus as my Lord. And if we could put the words up, you would see the, all the many pronouns, the I, the me, the my, for his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things, and I regard them as rubbish, in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but one that comes through faith in Jesus Christ. It's very personal. The call to follow Jesus. But it's more than just a personal, private experience. Hear me on this, brothers. And sisters, 
It has implications for our vocation, our vocation. That will be different for all of us. The personal call, it's the same. We all must repent. We all must surrender. We all must ask Jesus to be the Lord of our lives. But where and how that call fleshes out, it varies. Paul's was very clear. You heard it in the reading. He says, Paul called to be an apostle of Christ Jesus by the will of God. That's his vocation. And how that call get expressed, it's very specific. I hope this morning you will see your vocation the way I see mine. I believe that I was called to be a pastor. I have no doubt in my mind. I have no qualms, no... I don't go back and forth and say, I wonder if I should have done this. This is what I believe I was called to do. But I'm not expecting that you're going to feel the same way. I'm not expecting that you're going to see that, well, you're, you're really not living your life if you're not doing ministry. And we somehow isolate the word ministry to people like me. I'd like for you to expand the word. That because you're called to follow Jesus, that that call will be fleshed out in so many ways. I believe there's a vocation in marriage. There's a vocation in singleness. There's a vocation as a student. There's a vocation for those who are retired. There's a vocation for those who are teachers and professors. There's a vocation for those who answer the call to be a doctor, to be a nurse, to be a campus student worker, to be an entrepreneur. And I think you get the picture. We could go on and on. It's limitless how the call of Jesus can shape us and direct us into the world to serve the Lord. But let me quickly run on and say to you this morning that the call to follow Jesus is also communal. If there was one church that caused Paul many sleepless nights, maybe gave him a few ulcers, he gave uh, some medical advice to Timothy. He said, Timothy, you ought to drink a little wine now and then. It's good for your tummy, good for your stomach. Timothy was a pastor. So I don't know what was going on. He may have been having some, some stomach issues. The church in Corinth would have caused Paul to look like me. The church in Corinth made Paul age before his time. And yet as he writes to the church, he calls them the church of God in Corinth. This church was populated with people who answered the call to follow Jesus, but just like us, don't separate yourself now, just like us, the call to follow Jesus is a process of change. Doesn't happen overnight. It's a struggle between the old you and the new you, the old life and the new life. And so somebody said that where two or three are gathered, Christ is to be found, but where two or three are gathered, people with issues are to be found. Can you say amen to that? This church had issues, as you know, deep divisions, 
plagued with embarrassing sexual scandals, pettiness, constant criticism of Paul and what he should do and didn't do, class and ethnic divisions, worship wars, so many problems in this church. And I know some of you are looking for a church, and I have good news and bad news. America has over 430,000 churches scattered across this great country. But the bad news is none of them is perfect. Would you attend a church if you knew about the problems a church like Corinth was having? Would you attend that church? You know, what I find interesting about today's reading is this unmistakable energy that is in the text. I know it's hard to see it or hear it or feel it. But if you go back and read the text again, you'll notice that the energy is flowing from one direction. It's flowing from God to the people, not the people to God. That's really important. For those of us who believe in pulling ourselves up by our bootstraps, for those of us who believe that if it's to be, it's up to me, this text is not for you. Because nowhere in this text are you being told to do anything. What's happening in this text is that God is the actor. God is the source. And so even though the church is a mess, that doesn't stop God from, 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 from working and being present and calling and challenging and, and, and changing and even disciplining this church. You see, God loves this church. And I want you to love God's church too. I want to encourage you this morning, never look at a church and isolate yourself and look at the church's flaws and the church's problems and somehow don't hold a mirror up to yourself. Because as the church goes, so do we. Can you say amen to that? I saw somebody say a quiet amen. So what I would encourage you to do as we're still young in 2023, is that you deepen your engagement with Scripture. If you are to understand God's call, and that's really the story of the Bible, the Bible literally opens up with God speaking. The Bible closes with God speaking. And in between everything, God is speaking to people, calling them, sending them in a particular vocation, calling them into community. That is the story of the Bible. And so when you look at 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9, and, and guys, can you bring that text up for me? 1 Corinthians 1 and verse 9. I want you to just let that soak in. I told you before that the energy is not from us to God. We can't help ourselves. It's from God to us. That's the genius of the church. It's God's creation. God is faithful. Isn't that wonderful? God hasn't left the church in Corinth. By him, you were called into the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ our Lord. And that you is not singular, it's plural. You all were called into fellowship with Jesus and with his son. And so friends, yes, the call is individual, but it's vocational 
to specific places and times and roles. I would say to you again this morning, this is a very, very uh, anti-American statement, but I'm going to say it. We are not called to walk alone. God places his called out ones into communities. If it's in the Old Testament, it's the assembly, the kahal. In the New Testament, it's the ecclesia, the called out ones. When God calls us personally, he places us in communities. God calls them to be holy ones. How are we holy? How are we sanctified? We're set apart in Jesus Christ. It's done through Jesus. The call, as we read in the text, it comes through the grace of God. And in that call to be part of a community, the Bible tells us that God gives gifts to the people of God. You know, the church should be the last place that has a volunteer crisis. Do you know that? We should have people lining up to say, Pastor Ray, I have this gift. I have this ability. I have this experience. How can I use this to help enhance the ministry of first prayers? God gives gifts to the people of God. In fact, Paul says that when God calls us, he enriches us with everything we need to do God's will. We don't lack any spiritual gift. So as I close, I have a question for you. How did you get here? You ever thought about that? How did you get here? And some of you will say, well, I took the bus. I walked. I rode my bike. Drove my car. And I would say, yes, you're correct. That's how you got here. But let's just go deeper. Let's go one layer deeper. How did you get to the place in your life where you're here on a Sunday morning in a church? There are a million things you could be doing. And you decided to gather. And some of you could say, well, my parents, this has been our church home for decades. I was here when Reverend Blake was here. Some of you might say, well, attending church is part of my routine. I grew up in the church. This is what I do. Someone invited me. I'm a Christian. And I would say amen, amen, amen to the above. But let's go one final layer. How did you get to the place in your life where you find purpose and meaning through being a follower of Jesus and being part of an imperfect community? How did you get here, this community, with all of its particularities? How did you get here? And friends, when you begin to frame the question that way, you're getting closer to the power and the beauty of today's reading. It's the power of calling. It's the power of calling. You didn't just sign up for a class, a membership class, and so you join. No, you are answering the call of God because in order to live out what it means to be a disciple, in order to live out your discipleship personally and vocation, vocationally and communally, we've got to gather with the people of God. So I'm one of those who believe that you really can't be a disciple if, first of all, you haven't answered the call. You can't be a disciple if you're not part of a community where you're living that out and practicing the ways of Jesus. 
And the reason why I'm belaboring this point, and I'll come back to it the next couple of Sundays, because I honestly believe that the title Christian for many of us is more cultural. If you don't understand God's call on your life, you're just going to be a Christian. And it's a, just a cultural title, and you totally miss what the kingdom is all about. And I'm going to pick that up in the next couple of Sundays where Jesus called the disciples, and, and they understood what that meant. At least at times they seemed to understand it. And so the future of the American church, and maybe we could say churches around the world, rests on the conviction that the King of Heaven has called you, He has called me. We have dual citizenship. Citizenship in this world, but citizenship in the kingdom of God. And we can say like Paul, we're not our own. We've been bought with a price. We can say with the Heidelberg Catechism of 1516, that I belong body and soul in life and in death to our faithful Savior, Jesus Christ. And when you understand that call, you will be able to say that and live it, and this becomes your lifestyle. And we'll say more about that as God gives us time and grace. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, God's people say, would you pray with me? Lord God, I give you thanks this morning that you are a speaking God. We thank you for the ample illustration of the children listening and then moving. And Lord, may we be hearing the music of heaven. May we hear your voice calling us through Jesus Christ. May we repent. May we commit the work we do to you. And may we commit to the gathering, the called out ones. Lord God, we, this country in which we live is experiencing profound darkness, and this is our moment to shine. Not to be part of the darkness, but to be light. Not to be part of the problem, but to be part of the solution. We offer this prayer in your name. Amen.